What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Yeah, like I said last week, I'll probably say some shit that I would look back on as being incorrect or being opinions that change over time. And I recorded that intro two weeks ago. So this two weeks has been a huge period of learning and education as I've been hearing about things like defunding the police, which two weeks ago when I recorded that intro for the episode that came out for Little Lotus, I was talking about fuck the police. And yes, of course, fuck the police for real. But I would have never thought that like, defunding and abolishing was something that activists have been working on and I should have known that and it makes complete and utter sense to me because they've been defunding social programs since I've been alive educational programs have been being defunded art and music have been being defunded I mean shit social security has been under attack, like all of these social safety nets and educational tools have been being defunded. Mental health care, health care, everything is fucking being defunded while we turn our police system into one of the strongest fucking militaries in the world when we already have the strongest military in the world. Like, we don't need a second goddamn military. We already got one. And a second military definitely doesn't need to be patrolling our streets dressed like the fucking Empire Strikes Back or some shit. So, yeah, defund the police. I agree. And eventually let's work towards abolishing the police. The police seem like an archaic system. I'm still learning. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm, I've been trying to read as much as I can. And uh, seems like good ideas to me. Since I recorded that intro last week, I have gotten out and gotten to protest a few times. I've been out five times or so. And... All of them were extremely peaceful to the point of I felt like I was just an extra body there. and Like I just felt safe. I never felt at risk at any of the protests I was at. And that was because I didn't see a lot of police presence at any of the protests I was at. In fact, I went to the, the really, really big one in Hollywood a week ago on Sunday and... I mean, I've heard reports of anywhere from 10,000 to 50,000, I don't know, it's probably somewhere in the middle there, people on, on Hollywood. And the only police that I saw that whole day were in helicopters. I didn't see a single cop. And you know what? I felt safe as hell. I've never felt as safe. There were thousands upon thousands of faces showing up for the same cause and not a speck of violence or misdeed in sight. I have to think that seems like the police are the ones that cause the violence when it comes to protests. Defund those motherfuckers because if protesters can handle themselves, then we don't need SWAT teams out there. We don't need riot gear out there. We don't need that shit. It's funny, too. A lot of the people that I've been seeing on social media, like, you know, they they did the whole Blackout Tuesday thing of, like, listening and learning. And it's like the next day shit was back to normal for them. What the fuck did y'all listen to or learn, man? Like, it's crazy how fast people got back to regular life. And, you know, I, I've been hearing a lot at the various protests of, like, oh, this time feels different. This time feels different. But I just want to say, like, hey, if you're out there trying to make a change, don't rest on your laurels, you know, because every generation thinks that this time it feels different. 
I heard this old uh, there's this old phrase that every generation thinks they invented the blowjob. You know, I think uh, similarly, every generation probably thinks their protests will be the last protests that they have to do, or their civil rights movement will be the one that finally works. And like I was saying, it's a repetitious and cyclical endeavor that never quite ends. And just when the country gets comfortable, some shit happens again and you end up having a protest. So all I'm saying is like it's working right now. The protests are working. George Floyd's killers, they all have charges now. Breonna Taylor's killers are not charged yet, but they will be. States are banning chokeholds. That said, chokeholds have already been banned for a long fucking time, but they still choke people to death. Rest in peace, Eric Garner. But the protests are working and attitudes are changing. And even people that try to stay up on shit are getting educated. Like I just said, let's defund the police. You know, that's a new phrase for me. Maybe not for you. Yeah, so I just hope that everybody stays at it because I know I'm going to stay at it and keep going out every chance that I get. One wild thing about the really, really big protest I went to, the one in Hollywood, was that For people that weren't marching, there were a lot of bars occupied on Hollywood Boulevard where people were inside watching the protests in, like, packed-ass bars without masks. And what I will say about all the protests that I've been to is that people have been very aware of wearing their masks. And those crowds that you see, don't get it twisted. I mean, yes, it is packed as shit. That said... A long telephoto lens makes people seem closer together than they actually are. And so I never felt like anybody was really intruding on my personal space or getting too much into my six-foot radius zone. And so I think at all these protests, people have been really careful about trying not to further spread COVID. Because in all the states that are sort of reopening, there are already starting to be spikes again. But, you know, wearing a mask really fucking works. If both people, if two people are wearing masks, the chances of the virus being contagious drops down into single digits of percent. So, like, wear your masks when you're around people, man. If you're around somebody that you're not living with, if you're around a stranger, wear your fucking mask. It's not that big of a deal. And I don't know. They're starting to reopen restaurants. They're starting to reopen movie theaters to an extent. They're starting to reopen a lot of shit. Me, personally... You won't catch me in a restaurant for a while. I'll stay supporting the restaurants that I love locally by ordering takeout, but I'm not going to be eating in a restaurant anytime soon. I'm also not going to be going to a movie anytime soon. I'm not going to be going to a concert anytime soon. The protests were something that needed to be done, and you need bodies to show up to make them effective. So I can understand breaking stringent COVID protocols to go partake in that. That said, extraneous shit like just going to a theater— I'm good. I'm going to wait a while on that. Extraneous shit like going to a party, I'm good. Catch me at home with my wife not doing shit or catch me at the dog park, and that's about it. I just hope that if you're listening, you're not getting too lax about staying safe with the COVID shit, bro. Like, do your due diligence, man. Keep your mask on. I don't know. 
that's it. That's that's the extent of my fucking COVID knowledge is like wear a mask. But I don't know, man. I, I'm hoping that they make it very easy to get antibody tests soon. I'm hoping that they make contact tracing much more prevalent and that we're able to lock this down. And I hope within the year or, you know, by next summer, there's a fucking vaccine because I just don't want to I don't want to do this i don't want there to be covid seasons i don't want there to be fucking lockdowns bro like this is too much can you remember this is a real question i'm 38 years old i cannot remember a time in my life mind you i've lived through 9-11 i lived through the 92 la uprisings i lived through katrina i lived through multiple wars ongoing wars i can't think of a worse time in the history of america that i've been alive where we have social uprisings and disruptive discourse about racial injustice sweeping every single state every single state has protested shout out to every single state we have a president that is widely hated and embarrassing the country throughout the world we have a fucking pandemic keeping people indoors. We have mass unemployment. We have a crumbling economy. I, I know in 2016 we thought shit was going to get bad, but God fucking damn it. Did anyone think the world was going to go this bonkers, this fucking bad? When Trump got elected, I'm not saying it is all Trump's fault, but I am saying that the election of Donald Trump was really a turning point in this country for a lot of the pent up evils to come out to the forefront. Even in my worst nightmares, I couldn't have thought that the country would have so much bad shit happening at once, man. Though, don't get me wrong, I look at the protests and disruptive discourse as positive things. I don't mean that they're bad things. I just think that it takes bad things to make those happen. It's a crazy world right now. <laughs> it is a crazy fucking world right now. In my life, June 1st was my first anniversary. So I have officially been married for a year, which is wonderful. And I think many good things have been happening for us since we were married. And... It's so wonderful to have a partner like my wife, Mia, in my life to just keep me in line and keep me working with a purpose and trying to set up a beautiful life for both of us. And that said, I went the like traditional route on a anniversary gift. I bought her a clock because that's uh, the modern one year anniversary tradition. So I got like this cool clock that kind of looks like the ones that used to hang up in your high school classes, you know, they have the the second hand that goes around that doesn't tick, it just can, it just like speeds around the clock. It's pretty dope looking, I like it. And then she surprised me with, she bought me a Weber grill. She bought me a charcoal grill. One day, like three months ago, she asked me like, oh, you, if you had a grill, do you like charcoal or gas? And I said, I like charcoal. And um, we, ne- we didn't have a grill, so she bought me one. Ooh, I've been grilling. Man, I have been grilling. I made some fucking... I made the best chicken that I've ever made to this day on the grill. 
you know, I got the whole charcoal chimney and I set it up so all the coals are on one side and get that circular heat when the lid is on or, you, and you know, you can char everything on the side where the coal is and then you put it off on the, the empty side just for like the oven effect. And man, got a recipe off YouTube called Roadside Chicken. Goddamn, look up Roadside Chicken if you're ever trying to grill some chicken that is bomber than fuck. It's like an apple cider and Worcestershire sauce combo, marinade and basting. And, you know, there's a bunch of other shit that goes in there, too. Because, you know, I never really got to learn how to grill from my dad. But I think I feel like at the age when I would have started to learn how to grill from him is when he got sick and or I lived in a different state. And so I have to learn how to do manly things like grilling from YouTube. But you know what? How fitting is that? That's also how I make my li- my living is via YouTube. So it's like a family business now, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I've made, made some bomb ass chicken, cooked up some like adobado, cooked up some fucking carne asada. It's going to be a grilling ass summer. It is going to be a grilling ass summer. Also got to, I, I did go herding with Cooper for the first time since the world shut down. And everything's the same up there. I guess some like a lot of people never even stop going there because they all live out in the sticks. But I didn't want to be the one responsible to for like bringing L.A. disease up there, uh, like bringing COVID up to the ranch. So I just started going back. And oh, actually, Cooper went so hard the first time that we went back that he freaking ripped the pads on his paws. And so I had to spend the week like trying to put a bunch of salve on his paws and stuff to kind of heal it. It's basically like, it's like if you have calluses from lifting weights and then, and then you rip them off on accident. It's basically what he did. Like his hand, his paws got kind of sissified while he wasn't up there hurting every week. And, and now he's already back to normal. Cause it's, we've gone up two weeks in a row and, and uh, last week he was fine. But anyway, yeah, he kind of lost it. The three months out definitely made him be like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to you in here today. I'm just going to fuck around and do whatever I want with these sheep. So hopefully as we keep going back, he'll start to get more into the swing of things. That is enough updates. Keep fighting the good fight. Get out and protest. Black lives matter. You guys know that. Black trans lives matter. You guys know that. If you disagree with me, fuck out of here. Don't listen to my show. That said, our guest this week, Jonah Mutono, just a really interesting dude. He has traveled more in his life than many of us will ever get to. Raised between Uganda and the States and London and Kenya and just he's never really rooted down, it feels like, from his story. He's just from one place to the next to the next, and when he starts to get comfortable, maybe he moves again. The dude has the voice of an angel. He released an album this year called Gerg, capital G-E-R-G, that really is a roller coaster ride. It has its ups, it has its downs, it has joyous moments and sad moments and um, songs to cry to and songs to dance to, and I... Just think it's worth checking out. I think he's going to be somebody that um, is in the same conversations with some of the biggest names in music in the next couple of years. He has that kind of potential. So, yeah, Jonah Mutono. Go check out Gerg. Go to YouTube.com slash Kind of Neat where you can see him perform live. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Jonah Mutono. 
congrats on the record, and how Thank do you, you say it? How do I say it? I know how to spell it. G-E-R-G. Oh, right. It is just Gerg. Yeah, it's just Gerg. I didn't know if it was an acronym. No, okay. it is not. It's just Gerg. Uh-huh. What does Gerg mean? Gerg is... It's, it's a name that I had for my partner and my phone so that when my friends looked through my phone, which they did all the time, yeah, um, they would see it and they wouldn't know who it was. They wouldn't know. It was your little way of keeping it secret. Yeah, exactly. Does that mean the, the record is a love letter in a sense? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think it's just this story that... I don't know how loving it is all the time. <laughs> right. But definitely, definitely. Yeah. How long have you been making music, man? S- hmm. Six years. Six years. Six, six yeah. years? Uh-huh. But a lifelong journey? Singing since a child or what? No. No. Well, well, I was playing classical piano from when I was four years old. Okay. And because my parents are very, very African, they, they wanted to give me every opportunity. And we lived in Philadelphia at the time. They started me playing classical piano when I was very, very young. And it was just more of a thing that you do that your parents put you into. Yeah. Like going to school, I would play piano, but I didn't really create yeah. anything musical until much later. I, I like to write stories and that sort of thing. It's an interesting thing being kind of pushed into uh, oh, memorizing sure, yeah. classical piano because a lot of people who who are prodigious at it never go on to create anything because they're just exactly. re- reciting the, all the time. So were you... I don't want to say prodigious, but were you? did you excel at classical piano? Were you like performing out a lot? I was performing a lot i did a lot of sort of competitions i yeah. got a you know i had a scholarship to the next school i went to because i could play the piano i'm trying to be very modest but oh, i was yeah. good i was yeah. good for a child i believe you know? it you got pl- you got piano player fingers yes. man. those things are long they are huge. yeah so you're excelling at piano from a young age yes and sir. did you like it though no <laughs> <laughs> okay no 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 uh I, I think i can remember when i was eight saying, oh, that I really wanted to quit. I didn't see why I had to do it because none of the other children did it. And my parents were like, you'll really thank us later on. Yeah. And now I do. They because, were right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But you didn't like it. And so was no. it torture having to be like locked in the room practicing? It was. Did they have to bribe you to practice? I was, I was that kid that just wanted everyone to be happy. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So. Why? Why? Why were know. you that kid? I just had to be good at everything. I was like the the oldest child. Okay. You know. How many siblings? Two. So you're the eldest and then I you have a younger brother bro- and a younger sister. So you're the one who has to lead by example. Oh, 100%. And I, I really liked the positive reinforcement and everyone would always praise me. Yeah. And that sort of thing. So I kind of had to keep up my reputation. But also you're the child of immigrants. Exactly. And yeah. they were like probably very... There's a certain sense of pressure when you probably move oh, from a different 100%. country. Like, hey, you gotta, you you really gotta no. be performative here. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything is an investment. They've done all of this stuff. They've come all the way right. from Africa. You don't know to what we sacrifice. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. but then beyond that, as you're the first, it's also mm. like they're learning how to parent through yes, you exactly. and so it's like you know they always say you're strictest on the first and by the third mm. you're like letting them juggle knives and not giving a shit that oh that's true wow is yeah. it oh 100 percent. i they they were strict but mm, i followed most of the rules i never i didn't really put a toe out of line if i could help it i was smart mouthy but that was it yeah, yeah yeah so you were never like the kid going out and partying or oh anything? no no <laughs> was your younger brother or sister Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> what, what can I say? I don't want to. <laughs> no, yeah, don't me. put him on blast. I had a similar experience. I've got a younger brother, mm-hmm. and I always was jealous of his life because I felt right? like, yo, they're so easy on you. They don't expect shit from you. Exactly. Like, you just get to live. And I had to be the one that's like, 
what do you mean you didn't get a straight A's again? Like, da-da-da-da-da. 100%. So, yeah, anyways. Were you born in Uganda and then no. moved over? You're born here. I was born in London. You're born in London? Yeah. Okay. I would love to go into a little bit of family history. How sure. did Your parents are from Uganda? Yes, they are. Okay. Um, they met in London, actually. They met in London? Yes. Both Ugandan immigrants to London, or were they in school my, over my there? My dad was in school. My dad was in medical school. Oh, amazing. And my mom had just come after some conflict in Uganda, um... In north of Uganda, there's a militia called the LRA. Yeah. Which I guess got a lot of press in 2012 for Stop Coney. Yes. But um, my family was in London because they were escaping Okay, um, all of that turmoil. To get out of there before Coney. Oh, well, I mean, or he was there. Coney was there. That yeah. was kind of Coney's peak time, which a lot of people don't realize. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so they meet in London going to yeah. school. And is it like a swept off the feet story or what? Like, do, you, do your parents have a, a meet cute? Uh, I wish I knew exactly the details. It sounds like it. It was all very fast. Yeah. <laughs> I was born very quickly after their wedding. Really? But enough so that, you yeah. know, you know, it's all, it's all above board. Yeah, but, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a shotgun wedding. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Um, but for sure, for sure. I mean, like, they both were at an age where they wanted kids and they wanted to have someone who was who knew the culture that they came from right mm-hmm. and, and so you're born in london yeah. and, and your dad does go on to become a like practice medicine or a, yes, yes yes he did his residency in a in Philadelphia. We moved there when I was about eight months old. That's what I was going to ask. So yeah. you, did you have any formative time in London? Probably not. Sounds like you guys no. moved to Philly. No, we moved to Philly until yeah. – and we, we stayed there till I was eight. So we just started this podcast back up about um, – uh, we've been – we're like – seven or eight episodes deep right but we've yeah, been, sure. i've been doing it since 2013 mm-hmm. the point i was going to make is like in those last seven seven episodes you're the third person that grew up in philadelphia really yeah and i love philadelphia because my family's from philadelphia nice they're from eastern pennsylvania about an hour outside of philly right okay. yeah what's um philadelphia like growing up for you i don't remember a lot of it because then you moved Yes. Oh. I mean, like, I was there from first grade to third grade. Okay, so not like... And I was homeschooled for some of it. Really? And, yeah. why they do homeschool? Hmm. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if my mom wasn't completely sure about, you know, the American school system. She was a... She was brought up in, I guess, in a British school system in Uganda, like the colonial yeah. British schools. And I guess she wanted the best and, you know, she had some time. So... So she did. So she was like, I'm going to teach you. Yes, exactly. She's a stay-at-home mom? Yes. Where did you guys end up moving in third grade then? Uh, back to Uganda. Oh, so you did move back to Uganda? Yes, we did. Oh, wow. And so what's that culture shock like for having not grown up there and then moving to Africa? Well, everybody tells you that it's yours, but if you come in and you have this American accent and this American perspective, even just for an eight-year-old, yeah. of course, everybody's just going to treat you like you're an American and you're not part of anything. Right. Um, I didn't end up being there for even that long to be honest because i ended up going to a boarding school in kenya wow about a year later yeah for a couple years and then uh and then i moved to england after that you are such a world traveler indeed holy smokes yeah i don't know if i'm the right person to ask this or if i'm going to word this properly so forgive me right but being a true african american right Mm -hmm. like someone that was that is African and moves here, but sure. then also moves back to Africa and feels mm-hmm. a little out of place here, but also live in a in a country like America where the black man is out of place yes. inherently. How does that fuck with you internally? Like, have you felt as though you have no real home sometimes or does everywhere oh, feel like home? That is a good question. Uh, probably the former. I think I've really grown into it now. Yeah, but definitely you don't feel like anywhere is home, and it's kind of all about the people that you're with. If mm-hmm. the people 
feel like family, then that place is home, mm -hmm. is really what I've come to. Mm -hmm. In terms of the way it is culturally, because so many people, their whole personality and everything they're about is about where they've come from, and they grew up around this, and mm -hmm. then they go somewhere else, and that is their personality. And, you know, I think uh, I, don't, I don't really have any of that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I have a lot of that. You don't have any, like, local pride of something? No, right. I don't really have. I never grew up with that either. Like, yeah. there are people where I'm from that are very much like that, and mm. I never felt that way. Like, nah, it's not oh, where you're from, it's where you're at, yeah. you know? Was traveling so much and also always feeling maybe slightly out of place, mm -hmm. was that a lonely way to grow up? Did you fulfill your—I um, mean, I'm making assumptions. Like, was yeah. it lonely, first off? It was, but I'm, I had my siblings. Yeah. Um, who actually moved here with me um, and I live with now oh, here in L.A. Yeah. Um, and then there's friends that I've had since I was very young. And because of, you know, the times, there was enough technology to keep in touch with them. And yes. I still get to see them and I get to travel to see them. Right. Um, and in that way, it wasn't too lonely. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Were you a kid that lived in your own head? Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. Were you an uh, avid reader? Oh, or? yeah. I okay. read a lot. I wrote a lot. I would force my brothers and sisters to be in plays that I wrote. No way. That's yes. very cute. Oh, yeah. Tell me about some of these plays, if you don't mind. Oh. You don't, I mean, it, you, it, <laughs> embarrassing yourself is the easiest way to charm people, man. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, there was one play. It yeah. was like, oh, God. It was it was called A More Modern Christmas. Okay. I guess I was maybe 11 when I wrote it. Yeah. And that Christmas, we had some family friends from the American embassy that we were spending Christmas with. And I got, I made everyone apart and we perform and I forced everyone to be in it. And it was fun. Like, I think I, I read the script back maybe last year and it yeah. was genuinely funny. That's right. So how did you get into, like, what did you read as an 11 year old that you were like, I need to write plays? Oh, that's a good question. Um, a lot of Charles Dickens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm big fan of great expectations. Okay. Um, Fitzgerald's a big fan of Great Gatsby. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All the like um, the junior high staples. Really. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. The required reading staples. Requ oh, yeah. I, I loved all of that. Yeah. For real. Yeah. That's funny. Most people, like the people I grew up with were like, fuck the Great Gatsby. Why do they make us read the Great this? It's amazing. And you're like, let yeah. me write a play because. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. What kind of medicine did your dad practice? Tropical medicine. What's that mean? It's like uh, diseases like malaria and typhoid and cholera. Oh, okay. That's okay. I think Ebola kind of isn't under that umbrella. No shit. Mm -hmm. You were saying off mic, you've already you've already had to quarantine twice in your life oh, because yeah. of Ebola. We've, we've, stuff. Had, we've had Ebola in Uganda and you kind of just, you stay at home and you read the newspaper, see when you can come out, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, Ebola was terrifying across, like worldwide. 100%. And so I can't imagine being like in the epicenter of it sort it's of. It's funny like, because at home you don't, even, I guess even now with Corona, especially if Something like Ebola is so quick, and if you if someone has it, you know that they have it. Yeah, I've never in person seen anybody with Ebola. Right. I of mean, course, obviously, like, because course. you would have. Yeah. So it, it isn't that scary. It's more boring. Okay. And yeah. I, um. The the reality of it is scary. Yeah. To think about, but if you don't see it, then it's not really. It doesn't really. That makes sense. It doesn't register you. to you. Yeah, it's interesting because even with a hundred thousand coronavirus deaths in America, I yeah. feel like not enough people have seen it to where there's exactly. not enough fear about it. And so now mm. here we are, like teeter tottering with opening opening the country back up, and people are like so gung ho about it. But it's True. like to me, it's still a little. I don't know. I don't it's know. Very. I mean, yeah, it's so serious. Yeah. If, you, if you're not seeing it, it kind of feels like you're. You're watching a movie and you're detached from it. Yeah, for real. Yeah. I, I I don't know anybody that's been infected by it. You know, uh, personally. Mm, really? Uh, yeah. No. Do you? 
Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah, really? a couple people. No shit. Well, that's horrible. Boarding school in Kenya, are yeah. you with other mostly African children or is it like no. mixed school? It was a yeah. mixed school. Okay. It was a, a British school. Yeah. Um, very, very British. Um, called uh, St. Andrews. It's very nice. A lot of like diplomats' kids went there. A lot of English kids. Is it um, a Catholic school, St. Andrews? N- no. Well, no. Well, okay. it was a Christian school. I don't think it was okay. It was yeah, Catholic. Yeah, right, but, right, right. Um, We definitely it was the first time I had to wear uniform, and uniform all that. anywhere, and we had to wake up on Friday mornings to raise the flag. Wow. And all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And did you like it there, or did you? Oh no! Because yeah. of course I hadn't really been in school before this time, and then you go straight to boarding school, yeah. and it's such. It's so. It's so rough. And I also didn't really know how to deal with kids. <laughs> this was your first time being yeah. in a school with other kids because you're getting homeschooled the yeah. whole time. Man, that has got to be a shock to the system. Oh, very much so. And so what was it like for you when you first get there? I, I, I was mostly quiet. I mean, I befriended a couple people. I would just follow them from place to place. I think the first night I spent there, I'm allergic to nuts and I had a nut allergy. No. <laughs> just the first night. Exactly. It's like, oh, who wants a peanut butter sandwich? You're like, uh-huh. fuck. That's crazy. So did people know that you had a nut? Like, well, oh, I, oh, they figured it out. They figured I, it out, obviously. Sure, for yeah. sure. Wow, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, is this your first time being around kids your own age, really, or what? That that many kids my own age. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think it was because immediately there's politics that I didn't know about. Of right. course, you know, there's kids who are in charge, and then there's the nerdy kids who aren't. And I didn't understand any of it. And I so sort of just— Not understanding that, where do you end up falling in? I had my couple friends, and for the most part, it was fine with the nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's that was... so funny. So you weren't like Will Smith, like, uh, freaking your outfit a little bit oh, or anything? No. I mean, like, we're all in uniform. Yeah, right, right. You know, so. It's funny because I get a lot of, like, musicians that have gone to either boarding school or Catholic mm. school or, or schools that require a uniform, and they're like, yeah, but I would, like, sew mine a certain way or do something to customize it and— uh, on some punk rock shit, you know. Oh and, right, I wish. Yeah, but no. Know. Yeah, I uh, no, for sure no. <laughs> I think I, I was just trying to disappear for the most part. Yeah, um, that makes sense. To make like fall in line and then see see where I can enjoy myself and then maybe do some punk rock shit later. But I didn't stay there long enough yeah. to do that. Strong music program at that school too. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What music were kids listening to at that school? Was it a lot of Western culture music, like yes, from America? 100%. Yeah, what, what I remember. That, those are the years of like in the club was huge oh yeah like a lot of missy elliott i remember one kid his parents came and brought brought him uh oh miss e so addictive cd yeah and that was a huge deal we just put it on repeat in the dorm hell yeah yeah were there like any african rhythm stuff getting played there <laughs> or, not that i remember all actually american yeah. music yeah. yeah for the most part yeah that's interesting know. it's something i wouldn't usually think about like oh if you're in africa do people listen to african people music do, like, yeah. but for that particular school which was an international school of course it's mostly western culture okay that whole time how often are you getting to see your parents uh like once every six weeks. Oh, okay. They Not co- too bad. They would come over for something called Vizzo, and then they'd come over the weekend, and we'd camp, and they'd then they'd drive home, which was so far. Wow. Um, and then and, and then after another six weeks, we would get to go home for a couple weeks. And how would you feel when you went home and when they went to visit? Were you like stoked to see them, or oh, were you yeah. like, "Why am I here? Why did you?" Oh, hundred percent. Like, why have you left me here? <laughs> right. Yeah. I have to wonder: is there like a little bit of abandonment with that? You oh, hundred percent. And like we were, so, we were so young, but of course, a lot of the kids. I think the school went from still does, by the way, from like age five, age six up yeah. to 
18, and I feel like even, That's weird. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, Lupita Nyong'o's brother was in that school. Oh, wow. And shout out to him. Shout out yeah. to him. I think she was, too, but she was a lot older than me. She was a couple years older than yeah, me, so yeah. she wasn't... Maybe she was in the senior school. I don't know. You know, according to her industry age, she's the same age as you, probably. Oh, so, no, I'm just oh, kidding. 100%. No yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I, that seems like dangerous, or weirdly dangerous to me to have kids from five to eighteen staying oh, in the same 100%. place. Like I feel like the five year olds are very vulnerable at that point, being they around are. kids that are even like thirteen. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that we were heavily, heavily policed. Oh, okay. So oh. it was very strict there. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. How many kids are in each dorm? Ooh, I remember in my room there was like sixteen, but even that, like, there were some rooms that had like twenty to twenty five people in them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to bombard you with questions about your fucking <laughs> boarding school. It's just like so foreign to me. That's very interesting. Uh-huh. And so then after Kenya, when you moved to England, yes. is that for more school? Yes. Okay. Well, I had a, a music scholarship. Okay. At the school in Surrey, and then a family took me in, so I lived with them. Yeah. Until uh, well, until uh, you know, until I got through with a uh, uni. That for the most part, like left uni. Yeah. So the scholarship was for college, not for like a continuation high school. No, it was for high school. Oh, it was for high school. And then you stayed with them until after university. Yeah. Wow. So you like fell in love with this family then? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, it was kind of like it was the it was the situation at first. It wasn't so much love. They'll probably listen to this. Love you all. Yeah. It is love now. It's honesty, baby. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. It it was definitely a rocky start because then it was definitely again like my mom took me there. She took me all the way to England and was like, I'm going back to Uganda now. Bye. Like, well, again. And I was 12 years old. Wow. Uh, So there was definitely, you know, and of course this school now, which was, you know, in the suburbs of London. 20 miles south of London, completely different culture. Yeah. Um, You know, I think... A lot of people were asking me, and at this time in my life, I think I was really into punk rock music. Yeah. Everyone was asking me, like, do you like 50 Cent? Like, oh, my God, you're the first person, black person I've ever met and that sort of thing. No but, like, shit. really posh, really posh white English boys. and um, <laughs> That's got to be – wow. I'm sure there were so many prob- problematic conversations being there had. There were, but I think I didn't know at the time. I was kind of just, like, trying to survive. Yeah. And I was always in my own head. So if someone was speaking to me, I was always thinking something else uh. um, about something else entirely. So Again – Speaking out of place here, but I feel like um, being someone's first impression of a black man has to be (laughs) so much fucking unnecessary and unneeded pressure on a 12-year-old. It's like – because here you are probably thinking like I don't represent every black person, but also I do represent every – like – There was a certain amount of – you kind of forget that you are until someone mentions it. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, of course, like in Uganda or in Kenya, this international school where there was tons of black people. It's it's Africa. You're just one of many black people. Right. not the, a, di- the diaspora. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. not a. It's not really a big deal. And then you go to a place where you're the only one. Yeah, and you do notice it, but uh, it's not as intense until someone says something about it. You're like, oh yes, oh yes, I see. Right. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's a lot to deal with as a fucking preteen, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the rocky start with the family. Why so? Were they strict as well? Mm. Not crazy strict, but they just had an con- entirely different way of life and different parenting style to my own parents. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the difference between African parents and white English parents, of course, is going to be like night and day. Right. Totally. So I never really knew what to do because I think that's always been like, you know, and I was older than their kids yeah. who are now, I consider them my siblings. They right. are my siblings. 
Um, and I was older than their kids, so I always felt like I had to be the example, but I didn't know what the right thing to do How was all to the be time. the right example, yeah. And, you know, their kids would say different stuff than what I was allowed to say to my own parents. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so That's some notoriously white mm-hmm. shit right there. Like, what? That kid can say that to his parents? <laughs> but then I, I wouldn't. I never I, – I don't think I ever went there. It was like we – we we got through it. it. There was definitely a period of time where we were just feeling each other out. I didn't really know. Yeah. There was definitely a bigger, like, uh, a bigger emphasis on, like, you know, what, what, you, what you're allowed to eat. Yeah. And a bigger emphasis on what you're wearing. And we're going to a nice restaurant now, uh, so wear something nice. Uh-huh. Of course, I had no idea um, about any of this life, to be honest. Right. That makes total um, sense. I, actually, that brings me to another question that has been that's been boiling under me is sure. like food growing up. Mm-hmm. You already mentioned you had a nut allergy. Yeah. But I would imagine moving from all of these different places, the the culinary themes in each place must have been so extremely different. Yeah. Well, yes. I yeah. mean, but the thing is, with my parents, my mom always made. Ugandan food for the most part. Right. And every so often she would make a mac and cheese or something a little trashy. Yeah. Um, or we'd have like a burger or something. But at home she would cook, you know, the rice and beans. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And then going back to Uganda, the food was mostly the same. Um, except that they eat a lot of peanut sauce. Oh, wow. Um, and so you're just in hell. You're <laughs> exactly. like in a walking nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then going to England where just everything became bland. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm just kidding. Shout out roast, English roast food. chicken and yeah. roast potatoes, and which you know what I very much enjoy now. Yeah, it's uh, but it was I don't know because the thing is I'd say that Ugandan food is pretty bland too, but then everything became a little bit spicier because I have a baby tongue and like that really? that family in particular loves their spicy food. Right, curry is like, like very popular mm, in England and everything. Yeah. yeah. So then we would eat spicy food and I could never handle it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Man, that's funny. You got a delicate constitution too? Oh, 100%. Yo, so, you know what? I love spicy food, but the older I get, the more delicate my constitution gets. And so it's like these things that I used to be able to handle, now I'm just like, it's a risk. No. It's yeah. not always a you risk worth sleep taking. if you eat something, yeah. you know? <laughs> For real. Um, so the school that you end up in, in mm-hmm. South London, yeah. is it very musically competitive? Yes. Well, classically speaking, yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so is that sense of competition visceral among students? Like, do you guys, like, pit yourselves against each other? Or well, was there a camaraderie because school, of that? We had school-wide competitions yeah. once every semester. Yeah. Did uh, you have a rival? Did I have a rival? I think at first I thought I might. Yeah. And then my voice was so different from what everyone else was doing yeah. that it— I kind of was out of the game because there was a lot of amazing opera singers that have come out of that school. Oh, wow. And I did sing opera too. Really? But... So you got accepted there not only as a classical piano player, but as a singer as well. Yes, which was... I didn't actually sing until I went to that school. No kidding. Yeah. Well, when we went and we were applying for it, they were like, well, you can't come in here with one instrument only. Yeah. So I sang something and they were like, well... We can work on you, and I guess, and then they did. Wow, no kidding. Yeah. What did you sing? Do you remember to get in? Uh, I sang uh, The Sound of Music, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Sound of Music. You and, love plays, bro. Oh, well, yeah, I do love plays, yeah. for sure. And I think, I like, when I was, like, in one of the African schools I went to, the international schools, I'd played, like, a part in The Sound of Music. Yeah. 
Um, and so that's the song that I knew. You just had it memorized already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so what's it like exercising your voice there? If other singers probably already came in with a lot more experience than mm-hmm. you, oh, yeah. did you feel the need to catch up or was it was it something that came really naturally to you? Because, I mean, your voice is obviously outstanding. Like you Thank have you. an amazing singing voice, uh, which you guys can hear on the record, Greg. Uh, you know what I mean? So yeah. how long did it take to develop that? The first year, it was really bad. I can remember singing in public for the first time uh, this awful song. I think it was called Starlight or something. Yeah. Something that my lovely teacher, she had given me. And it was, I think it was a couple weeks into the first semester, and it was terrible. I could just see everyone looking down. Like and, trying to avoid eye contact and then, with you. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then one of the stars who had sang that night came over and was like, well, I remember the first, of course, British accent. Just imagine a very yeah, posh yeah. British accent. Yeah. The first time I ever the first time I ever sang in public, it went amazingly. But you tried. <laughs> <laughs> the most British backhanded compliment yeah. ever. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. And then, I don't know, I don't. I actually, I'm pretty good at not feeling too competitive about that sort of thing. Yeah. I just continued going to classes and singing in public and just being absolutely terrified but doing it. And then at the end of the first year of having singing lessons, I sang Hallelujah at this, like, gala. The Leonard Cohen song? Yeah. Yeah. At this gala at the end of the year, and everywhere went silent. Really? And it was it was crazy. They actually made me sing that again when I graduated. Wow, that's um, like one. Of, that's like one of those songs where if you can pull it off, oh, then like sure. you're gonna bring a tear to people's eyes. You yeah, know? yeah. Wow. And and, uh, and, it, and then it got a lot better from there. So what was yeah. that experience like? The first time you really like knocked people's socks off? Did you? It was amazing. I, I could feel that I was in control because everybody was staring, and because usually people would look down when I sang. And uh, I, I think I felt like I finally had something that I could do because I think before I was in choirs and stuff, but I never thought like I was really going to be singing for people in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like a real coming to God moment then. Like you, yeah. did you like see your, your future like flashing? Like, oh, this is what I want to do now. No, no, I, no. <laughs> well, the thing is singing wasn't the, the plan, the plan. I don't think singing well, ever became. What was the plan? Well, I was going to work in charities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I studied international development. Okay. In college. And then I had I was working for a charity and I was putting stuff on SoundCloud. Yeah. And uh, people started listening to it, and I started getting emails from people in the industry. Right. What are your What's your future plans like? Exactly. Hey, what are well, you? nothing. Yeah. I, I was really happy. I had like just adopted a dog, and I had this beautiful house that I was living in. Yeah. In uh, the eastern Uganda, eastern Uganda. Yeah. Working for a medical charity. What kind of dog did you adopt? I'm a dog lover, bro. Oh, German Shepherd, of course. Oh, really? Yeah. Well trained, then, huh? Well, she was a puppy, so no. Oh, but, <laughs> but did you work hard with her? Or uh, well, the thing is, I moved here. I moved oh. to New York, and then I gave her away. Oh, friend. no. So, poor thing. But yeah. I'm sure she is living, living a great life, don't you so, know? Oh, yeah, 100%. So you studied say, – say what you studied again? International? In, international Relations and Global Development and, was a long title. And Global Development. And yeah. so you were going to work in charitable organizations. That's right. Did you have a certain passion or, or a certain like um, charitable thing that you were passionate about that you – that you wanted to work in? Does well, that make sense? Yeah. Well, um, what was it? Medical charities, for one, to yeah. be honest. That there's a lot of charities that bring doctors, like Doctors Without Borders. Yeah. Um, they bring doctors from Western countries, and then they go treat people for free in uh, places where they can't access right. um, healthcare. Right, right. Yeah. And so that was that was what you wanted to do with your life. Well, yeah. That's what I. That's definitely what I saw that for the rest of my life, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Was that what your degree was in, in yes. university, even though you were studying music the whole time as well? Um 
I I studied music until college, and then oh, and then didn't you, study. Then you stopped for a while. Then I stopped. Yeah. Wow. But you. But this whole time in uni, were you making music? Is that when the SoundCloud started? Um, it didn't even start till after. But I was making music the whole time. Yeah. Just privately, and my friends would always hear it. Like in like my housemates would always hear it. Was this your first time creating rather than reciting? I did create a little bit in in a in high school. Yeah. Here and there, like I wrote one song which someone heard and then learned and then played at a party and I and I which I wasn't at and then everyone was singing it at me. Really? For, yeah, but I was it was kind of like one song a year if I felt like it and yeah. uh, um but then I really started creating um like with every experiment that I had when I was in uni. Okay. And um yeah, what what was university? Like you lived with the same family? Uh, no, I was in uh, dorms, uh, Nottingham okay. University. Yeah. yeah. This is your first time you're not living with, like, families and stuff. Yeah, you're yeah. out of, yeah, yeah. living in your own free world. Mm-hmm. Like, was that an eye-opening experience for you? It was a amazing. big personal growth moment? Oh, 100%. How so? I, I feel like, you know, if you don't have someone looking over. I mean, okay, well, yeah. uh, if you not someone looking over your shoulder, but it's just for anyone yeah. where you can really do what you want when you want, you know. Whatever you want to do. It was fantastic. I, I feel like I still sort of toyed the line in terms of going to classes when I was supposed to go. Yeah. And uh, that sort of thing. It was nice to – I feel like college and university is this nice sort of unreal bubble where you're just hanging out with your friends all the time. And that's really what it was. Yeah. I don't know how much reality was really in there. Right. Yeah. I look back in college and I'm like, when did I ever study anything? I was oh, like good. always just hanging out, it felt like. Exactly. Yeah. yeah which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't really prepare you for the real world, in, no. uh, particularly in L.A. where you never get to hang out with anybody because of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I am learning. Yeah, for real. How long have you been out here? A year and four five months or something and so you moved from uganda to here like after school you moved back to uganda oh yeah. wow so <laughs> okay yeah please keep going after school yeah i was uganda uh-huh. and i was there for maybe a year before i went to new york to see what was going on because i'd had all these emails and i was just like from well, the industry people yeah right? yeah and i was like well let's see what what's going on because if this is an opportunity then obviously i'm going to take it right um and i get there and i immediately meet um David and Denzel, now known as Take a Day Trip. Okay. But they were in college at the time. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I met them and like three days later I moved into their apartment sleeping on their couch. Yeah. And as all great music stories go. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Now, now they're a huge deal, as we all know. Right. But, um, and then I met my manager in the first couple of weeks. Um, I got called by the, the first label that would sign me in the first couple of weeks. Amazing. Um, like a lot of stuff happened very quickly. And then one of my friends from, college moved to new york as well um he is a he is a banker yeah and then i lived with him and so you guys got a flat together yep yeah and so so you got it in last long then yes. like what a no, year or something like after year, well? yeah a year yeah. and were you close to your folks like were you down the street in your own house or were you with them or when, while you were there oh i was in a like a whole different part of the country oh no shit yeah yeah so I have to wonder, and forgive me if this is too personal, are, are you close with your folks nowadays? Oh, very much yeah. so, yeah. Okay, all uh-huh. right. But is it, since you always kind of grew up at an arm's length, is it easier to keep them at arm's length and be like, oh, we're really good at a FaceTime, but maybe like when I'm around, the, this is how I am with my mom, this is okay. why I'm asking, where I'm like, I, I love talking on the phone with my mom, but if we're around each other for more than a couple of days, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for you to go home. <laughs> Ooh, that's shout out to my mom shout out to my mom (laughs) uh so i'm pretty sure my parents listen to everything that comes on the internet yeah um no i'd say that was okay for the most part my parents don't annoy me too much yeah um 
they they can definitely annoy me, but I can live in close proximity to them for a while. Yeah, I went back to Uganda for I don't know maybe eight months in 2018. Yeah, and I lived with my mom, and it was fine. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so it's just fine. I think um, maybe actually. It's better because I wasn't there as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. You didn't have to, like, do your rebellion stuff oh, no, around yeah, them. Oh, no, because I only yeah. saw them during the summer and then maybe during Christmas or something. Right, So right. they didn't really get on my nerves. So totally. There was just never a chance for that, that, that sort of angst yeah. to build up. Yeah. So now it's okay. When you moved to New York, mm-hmm. I have to imagine because you're so well-traveled that it probably wasn't your first time going to New York. No, it was. It was your first time. So was it like, oh, big city lights? Like, were you slipping? Oh, 100%. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then beyond just being shocked at the the grandiose of New York in general, it's like now you're also getting swept away by the industry, right? Well, yeah. It must have been like hypnotic. It was fantastic. It was yeah. a wonderful way to spend like my early 20s or whatever. I guess I was 23 Yeah, at the time. Um, it was fantastic. I think every, like, I just walk around every day and look up and just there's so much ambition in it. I think there's so much intrinsic ambition in that city that you just want to be a part of it. And I was right. definitely filled up with all that, especially all the people I was around were also young and also trying to make it. Right. And around, like, sort of music industry circles. And I met a lot of people sort of before they came up. And you're also just, like, getting wined and dined probably by, like, well, label people. Here and there. Let's yeah. Just, like, I definitely took a free dinner when I could. Yeah. Why yeah. not? You yeah, got 100%. Yeah. So it, it was crazy, especially as I think I never saw that life for myself. I'd never really forecasted it for myself for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so you, you end up signing? I did. Yeah, and is that still? Are you still signed? Uh, yes, but uh, now to a different label. To like a different that label. Was second. How how did that? Deal. Like, how did your first label deal go down? Like, was it a learning experience mainly? It was. It was yeah. a really small boutique label in London. Okay. Called Goodyears. Okay. God love them. I had a great time with them. I actually never met them until maybe a week before the record came out because oh, yeah. we never met in New York. They were never going to come to Uganda. Right. And at that time. I just hadn't been to London, and there was also these sort of visa issues to do with that. So I feel like your life must be one walking visa issue. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just know, like, I have friends that uh, are residents of other countries that come yeah. over here on creative endeavors, and, like, there is just, like, paperwork out the ass and, and just— I'm really good at getting visas now. Really? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, like, when I was—the last time I was in Uganda, I helped this pastor who really wanted to go to a conference. I did all his paperwork, and he got, and he got his visa. I, I wish he had paid me. That sounds like he should. That sounds like a very <laughs> specialty business right there, Indeed. man, for yeah. real. Um, so, yeah, the boutique label. Just continue that story. Yeah, yeah the boutique what? label, fantastic. Really great guys. Of course, because it was so small and the oper- operation was so small, there wasn't a lot of money in it. Yeah. But they let me do whatever I wanted. Yeah. I made uh, an EP that I still really love um, under the name Kidepo. Okay. Um, and then I went and then I moved to London in uh, God, <laughs> 2017 to like, I don't know, to like, see what like, was in London because, of course, they were in London right. to take sessions and whatever have you. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think your creativity thrives the most in the cities that you've lived in? Is it is New York really creative for you or is it London or is it Los Angeles? That's interesting. I feel like I'm most creative on the go. Like if I'm supposed to be going somewhere or I'm sleeping on someone's couch yeah. or something like that, I write the best songs or I don't know, even just at home. Like I, I like uh, – the countryside, like if I have a lot of space and I have no pressure 
to be doing so, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I create all of this. Like I create every everything under the sun. I like to write a lot. Yeah. And then I, of course, make music. Yeah. But definitely in an, in an office, in a more of an office setting, I'm still trying to find my rhythm. Right, of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah, you sound like someone that thrives on kind of like not having a, a space if that or like yeah i don't know how to well, i don't know the right way to word what i'm saying yeah, but like creative. when you're when you're on the run yeah you know yeah, what i mean 100%. like when you're moving you seem it seems like that really suits you it does but i mean i'm definitely trying to come to a, a era of my life where i don't do that so much are you sick of traveling or what? i'm not sick of it i think but i definitely would like to have i mean i want to see what's so great about having a stable home life a home, and, yeah you know because like a lot of the relationships i've had have uh you know, broken up because I was going somewhere else or, right. you know, I disappeared for a couple of weeks, yeah. went to another country, came back. And then just that has made them move on or whatever. Oh, exactly. Like, there's and always I, drama. Oh, for, for yeah. sure. How have you managed to manage your accent? Like, how, like, does your does your English accent get confusing? Like, do you move when you move to London? Does a little bit of like Londoner pop out in you? I'm sure it does. Yeah. Best thing to do is not care at all. Yeah. I think there was definitely an accent that I would do in England. I don't know. I think all my English friends hate it. But then when I do it to other English people who don't know me, they believe it. Yeah. They just don't. They just don't want to be stunted on, I guess. But... Uh, that I use if I don't want to be asked any questions. Right. Because, of course, if you're – if you go to, you know – a supermarket, call it Sainsbury's, you know, if yeah. you've been to London, you know I'm what I'm not, talking about. But that sounds but, very fucking British. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And you have an American accent. They'll be like, oh, my God. Yeah. My aunt lives in Miami or wherever. And like, <laughs> yeah. well, I, don't, I don't know her. Yeah, yeah. So whatever. So then there's definitely a thing that I do to get people like, so, so, so that no one will ask me any questions. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. But I always, there was always, the, I learned English in this accent. Yeah. I think it definitely sounded more Philly before. Oh yeah, tone yeah. that down. Yeah, but um, you're like, yeah, the ball come from Philly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I would imagine growing up in so many different places that uh, uh, your accent would just be like a, a mishmash of like all these places. But it is. It's a very concise as long American as it doesn't accent. Sound I like Madonna, then I'm okay because I know that she oh. definitely. Like it's almost annoying. Yeah. How like where the British comes in? She really. Puts and I know on. that I say a lot of British things. Like yeah. I'll be like, oh, there we go, or something like that. Yeah. You spell tire with a Y. Oh, I haven't done that. Well, I'm really careful about that, like, yeah. I, according to where I am. Right. Because, you know. That's funny. But, um. You have this resonance in your voice where it's like, you just talk and I can tell that you can sing really well. Oh. D- does that make sense? Like, you I can, so, yeah. you can hear it. Like, the, mm-hmm. it's very resonant down in the bottom of your throat or, or, or like, it, it sounds like you speak from your diaphragm like a singer, oh, right? Yes. Did you ever go through, before your voice broke, where, did you yeah. have a, did you have a big awkward period where you had a, a gross spur and your voice was cracking a lot as you were singing? It was, uh, yes, it, yes. Um, I remember when I was learning to sing, the first year of learning to sing, I went from being an alto, which is, you know, what people yeah. always said, to being a bass. <laughs> In one year? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's gotta be wild. So did you have to learn different note reading then? Were you like a uh, reading treble clef and then had to move to bass? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I think, I think the singing teacher had at the, at the time could hear it coming. So it was always about knowing where to jump yeah where where to have like a deep voice and then where to jump into your falsetto or whatever it may be yeah right um which is still about that because i still use so much falsetto but yeah um yeah most of the work was about that so is london the last place you were before you moved to la no i was in uganda after. jesus christ 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Try, trying to stay on like a uh, timeline with you is like. I was in Uganda. This after. is like where's uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah, I was uh, in Uganda after for I don't know eight months. I shot the videos for this record there. Oh, okay. The those were the three songs that were done when I moved to Uganda. Yeah. Um. So I thro- I shot circulation and circulation spare. is. That is my jam. I, I really you. like Circulation. That's a beautiful song, Thanks. man. Yeah. Uh, so you shot that there, and what else? And Spare. Yeah. And uh, Shoulders. And then you move again to finish the rest of the record? Yes, here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was in L.A.? Yes. And so what has Los Angeles been like for you? Uh, it's been up and down. <laughs> yeah. How so? I think, I think you you have to get used to the culture. I do feel like I spent more time in England, and I'm very much more used to English people in the way that they they manage themselves are very reserved, and but once you're friends with an English person, you're, you're friends for life. Like you yeah. see them weekly, almost without fail. Yeah, um, I still speak to many many of my English friends daily, you right? Know, yeah. um, on Facetime and that sort of thing. Whereas here, the culture is so much different. It's, I, find. I think it's a very kind of distant culture here. Oh, 100%. That, right? Like I have friends that I've known for years that I have only seen maybe five times yeah. while I've lived here. It's hard. I it's think very spaced out. It's funny because there was a couple of friends I had here that I would speak to so much more when I was in England. And then Dude. I came here like, oh, we're going to hang out, I guess. Yeah. And then, I don't know, maybe I see them like once every five weeks. It's like, oh, let's get dinner. Well, bro, it's six o'clock. Why are you exactly, asking me yeah. now? I'm not going to be able to get there till <laughs> nine o'clock. Like, right, yeah. fuck. Do you like the creative scene here? Like, is it yeah. easy to collab with people? For sure. Yeah. I think uh, definitely I've had some great collabs here so far. Yeah. It's funny because... That being said, I always seem to find the English people. I think all of the collaborators, bar maybe one on my album, are all English, even yeah. if they were done here. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a type, you know? Um, I want to be yeah, around my Brits. Uh, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm biased because I've lived here for so long, but mm. I feel like the music industry sort of revolves around Los Angeles, and I could mm, be completely 100%. mistaken. It does. It does feel like that, even mm. though you've been in New York and London. Oh, yeah. I know that, like, friends music industry friends I have in London will always, you know, be gearing up for their trip to Los Angeles so they can write every day. Right. Because I feel like uh, sessions in London were definitely fewer and far between. And you work with your friends. Yeah. And just sort of people are a lot more open to working here. I find that if you want to have a session with someone, you know, they'll make time for you, even if it's months in advance or whatever. Whereas London, it's a lot harder to find people. Like if you have friends, you work with them and then everyone's just happy doing that for the most part, I found. Right, right. In my experience. Totally. Yeah. So as a very well-established piano player, beautiful singer, your creative process, does it look like you sitting down at a keyboard and brainstorming before you sit down with producers? Or do you produce a lot of stuff? I don't really know. I your... produce a lot of it. Okay. Um, usually, I would say it looks like, I guess every song is different, but usually I would say it looks like I'm on a walk and I write the whole song on the walk. Yeah. And then I come back to Just the key. lead lines and stuff? Like no, melodies? I could like, well, I could write the, the, the words and the song. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like over, I don't know, if I go for an hour. Like that's how I yeah, write yeah. shoulders. And then I go back to the keyboard when I get home and then finish and then figure out what the chords are. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow, that's tight. And yeah. so then are, are you using, what are you in Ableton? In Ableton or? and Logic. In Ableton and Logic. Yeah. And so you're you go home and you already have like pretty much... That's happened for a couple of them. I mean, I've definitely gotten used to, especially industry-wise, like writing two beats and that sort of thing. But that's less less often for sure. Yeah. yeah. How has this elongated kind of world shutdown affected 
the outcome of the record because the record came out in 2020, right? Yes, it and came I, a couple of weeks and ago. And it came, yeah, it just came out. And I would yeah. imagine that the plans were let's put this out, let's tour it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all that has kind of have to been put on hold. So, True. as a musician, does that make it feel anticlimactic, or does it make it feel like, oh fuck, like this was supposed to be the one, and now the world oh, is like fucking me over? Or that's what? funny. I, hmm, it's funny because until this point, like I've never really had like a release party for any of the music that I've put out. So it right. kind of wasn't any different okay, from yeah. when I put the EP out. I totally. remember it came out and I was sleeping on my friend's couch right. and then it was just out. Um, and it kind of feels like that this time too. I think there was some of part of me was like, perhaps I do want to have like a little bit of fanfare or yeah. just like, you know, bring everyone together and like, I've been working on this thing for years, but at the same time, it's almost on brand. <laughs> That's funny. To, for, for it to come out during. That's sad, but also funny. Yeah. But here's because here's what I'll say is like in listening to it as yeah. a fan, mm-hmm. right, um, who was recently put on to you. Uh it sounds like a big record. It sounds like a record that's supposed to put Jonah into the conversation with yeah. other big names. You know what I'm saying? And I, and and um, I, I still think it probably will. Uh, that said, I just think it's like it would have been so beneficial to be able to like go on tour oh, with someone. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely I agree, but at the same time, I've always been someone who was so terrified of social media. Really, I've always been someone who you know, like I like I like my space, I like my privacy, I like people. Yeah, but. The internet, I'm, maybe I'm just behind. I'm an old man. Say what you want. So it's almost not, like you can't be that old. I don't know. <laughs> it's always been happening around me, but I like I'd prefer to just get on the phone with someone, which people hate. Yeah. Um. So I didn't. I was never really active in any way on Instagram. Hardly on Facebook. Right. Um. You know. I've, well, Facebook is trash, and now Instagram. <laughs> Instagram is also trash because Facebook, like, oh yeah, for it, sure. But I mean, like, I know coming here, people exist on there. You know, like, I know. you're not you. You weren't out if you yeah. didn't post it on Instagram. I'm finding it's definitely becoming like a no country for old men type of situation mm. with the with the internet. Where I even feel it myself. Like, I make we make music content, and I can uh, feel like my sort of music content becoming antiquated as yeah. people switch to like TikTok dances <laughs> exactly. and what have you. And I'm not trying to see yeah. me old man yells at clouds. Uh, but it's like, um, yeah, it's very easy to get lost and it's easy to um, – the internet is so – it just exponentiates upon itself where a meme becomes something like so inane after a while that like if you didn't see it from the beginning, you exactly. have no fucking idea what, what it's talking exactly. about. But that's like really a lot of musicians that are thriving are great at memes right now. Oh, 100%. Right. The thing is it's not like I don't enjoy them if I see them. Right. It's just the way that I personally personally exist – isn't on there right i do enjoy my life if i don't like a day that i don't have to be on instagram is a good day yeah yeah you know but Um, i I think that there's a place for that type of artistry coming back right now where it's like the people who aren't extremely online you know what i'm saying are going to become in vogue as well i hope Uh, so you know i I think your time Um, is coming bro oh god no i don't like being online in terms of even just i don't know any of the followers that have followed me now you know, God love all of them. Yeah. I love speaking to them. I'm so grateful, but it's all so overwhelming. Really? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I like uh, the gradual pace of it suits me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes um, sense. I did. I definitely made it for, you know, my friends to like it. I made it for myself. So like, I'd like to hear it in more places. You know, I definitely, there's lots of spaces I'd like to hear it in. Um, but what I, sort of spaces? Oh, God, I think that's like, an interesting statement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'd love like some of the songs we played at parties and uh, yeah. at some of the 
the clubs that I used to go to when I was in college and that sort of thing. I oh, definitely, definitely like made a song for that. And I, I made a song. Uh, you for can it. hear it when you yeah. listen to the record. It's like a roller coaster. There are your sad moments. There are your touching moments. There are your romantic moments. But there are also like very triumphant like club moments where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. fucking. I want to do hundred percent. Yeah, you can love, hear that. Love that moment. I, yeah. I mean, I just uh, yeah, a song a song a song for every moment in my life that I personally enjoyed. That you know. Yeah. Like, well, it's really an album for me. Like, all the places in which I exist. Yeah. Um, I made it, like, you know, I wanted to... It's like, a, it's a holistic study, if you will. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, so, when, so putting it out, I was definitely like, well, hopefully someone finds this. And it's interesting to see, you know, the reaction so far. Because it's actually exactly what I wanted in terms of some people like this and some people like this. But everyone's glowing onto something right. upon hearing it. It's definitely and, uh, a record where I bet you everybody tells you they have a different favorite song. Oh, 100%, song. which yeah. is amazing yeah, um, yeah. to me that it wasn't like, oh, I like this one song. But the rest was boring. Right. Um, That's great. So in terms of, you know, not being able to, you know, in terms of the quarantine hampering whatever success may come of it. Yeah. Um, I uh, all in I don't. Time. I don't think that's true. I okay. think yeah. I think everything everything in its time, and it's kind of allowed me to continue continue creating and figure out like what's next. I'm so excited to keep going, and yeah. uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, that that brings me to what I think we could probably wrap up on is like. As far as the safer from home orders and quarantine orders go, I've seen that it's been kind of a 50-50 with not much in between where it's like some people are getting really productive and creative and other people are like, I can't accomplish anything. Do you fall on one side or the other? Uh, Yes, probably more the latter. Um, But there's been some things written that I really love. I think there's definitely been some really good days. But on the other hand, it's like since no one's doing anything – I don't know what I should be doing. <laughs> you, you, you know, know what? I mean? <laughs> it's funny um, when all of this first started. Perhaps you can relate to this. Mm-hmm. When all of this first started, and people were going like, "Now's your chance!" Like if you yeah. don't, if you don't get this done uh-huh. or that done, you never had it in you. And I kind of feel like, as someone who has been a creative for twenty years yeah. now, and has always felt that kind of like the footsteps behind me of like, you got to be more productive. You got to oh, right, do more. Yeah. You got to do more. Like. This really feels like the first time in my life that I haven't felt guilty for yeah. not being productive. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Everybody's sitting around. I'm going to play video games. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like we're all on an even playing field now mm-hmm. where nobody can get anything done. So fuck it. That's true. I, I think in terms of, like, produ- productivity, I've never actually been anyone to – because making music has been sort of like my diary. Yeah. If I'm not making anything, then I obviously I have nothing to say. So I've never felt – too guilty about not being able to write songs at any one point right but um there's i mean of course that there's definitely a culture here especially in la where i'm feeling like everyone's just like go 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 yeah. go and then not all the songs are good right right <laughs> you know because i really like i really like to like spend a minute like discovering what i'm trying to say and do you like, give up on a song if you feel like it's not going the right direction or will you try to like steer it back on course um i well i usually just leave it yeah. in my evernote and then if something happens that like inspires me to, or like f- I figure out what I'm trying to say, because often I'll start something because I'll be angry or something about something, and but I won't have a I won't have a solution, or I won't have a. I got you. There's no end point. Like yeah. I can't I can't really say I can't really say what I'm trying to say yeah. because I don't know what it is. So it, then I'll just leave it and then I'll come back to it months later. And see yeah. if you can work it out. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I th- I talked to a lot of dudes who are like, oh, I have a, a thousand songs, and I'm like. 
a thousand like that's wild because it's like they must force themselves to finish every single thing that they ever started and i was never that i could i sure i have like i'm sure i have a ton there's a ton but a lot of them aren't finished because right if i were to if i were to finish them they wouldn't be to the quality that i aspire to aspire to right when these safer at home orders are finished right Mm. well you have experience with this like when the ebola with the ebola (laughs) quarantines was it like a was it like a suddenly over thing do you remember like and and things were back to normal or was it still like a pretty much people were still cautious i think it's the caution that'll take a long time to simmer down so then when these safer at home orders are through is there something in particular that you miss being able to do that you can't wait to to get back to Eating at restaurants? Same. That's my only yes, thing. exactly. Like, I mean, I could go to the movies, too. There's a ton of things, but eating at restaurants is the thing I really miss. I didn't realize how much I would miss restaurants until oh, this happened. Yeah. And particularly for me, going out to be able to eat breakfast. I really love going to, like, oh, a diner and eating breakfast. That is my shit. And I miss that so much. Uh, and, and also, like, yeah, just hugs. Being a, oh, hugs are nice. H- hugging yeah, or like sure. when you yeah. walk in, being able to shake hands and dap up yeah. rather than like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, stranger. And then we fucking touch elbows. I hate exactly. the lack of um, intimacy with that. You know what I'm saying? That's true. So. But I am thriving on the social distance at the supermarket. Oh, yeah. yeah. Honestly. <laughs> That's funny because one of the most stressful things for me over this time has mm. been going to the grocery store. It's awful. Because it's like, wrong, it feels like but, a war. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's masked up. Everybody's looking at each other. It's side eyes. Like, to me, it's very um, nerve-inducing. I don't know. I, don't know. It's, I think... I hate lining up, but once we're in and there's not a lot of people in there, yeah, and nice. then everyone's lining up so... Um, so um, obediently yeah. to get to the counter... And, like, no one's, like, pushing and... You like I've, a lot of personal space? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like intimacy with the people that I know. Yeah. But in terms of the personal space... Step back. I really know. I really love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonah, tell people where they can find you online. Yes. You can find me online. Jonah Matono. J-O-N-A-H-M-U-T-O-N-O. That is my handle on mm-hmm. Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and wherever I have you. There you go. Yeah. Jonah Matono. Did I say that right? Is it, Jonah uh, Matono, yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. So go find Jonah Matono on Instagram, on Facebook, which I don't fuck with, but, you know, people still I'm, do. You know, <laughs> it's there. It is there. If you there. want to find me, I'm there. I keep wanting to delete it. Like, I'm like, oh, should I just no. delete it? But I have, like, I have people that follow on there, and I'm like, ah, maybe I shouldn't. Even I though I don't post on there, it feels bad to, like, throw away I'm all finding these. people in other generations who are following on there. Right. And writing the sweetest things. like you know, but, Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I don't want to cancel them. There you go. Shout out to Facebook. Follow <laughs> on Instagram. Follow them on Twitter. Go check out the record, which I listen to on Spotify. It's called Gerg. I'm sure it's available on all DSPs. So whatever your preferred platform is, it is there. Is it on Bandcamp, too? Some people like Bandcamp. No, it is not on Bandcamp. That's okay. Go listen to Gerg. It is a beautiful record. I personally recommend if you want an entry point into his music go look up the video for circulation it is like an instant earworm and it will capture your attention immediately i think my name is lee some of you guys might know me as intuition you can follow me online at it's intuition across all platforms you can follow us as a unit at kind of neat youtube.com slash kind of neat where you are going to see jonah perform if you mean it if you mean it i'm sure it's going to be beautiful because i've seen other performances this man has done it's angelic angelic (laughs) so With that being said, that was Jonah. My name is Lee. This was Kinda Neat. Kinda Neat.